0: I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode.
1: In order for your organization to make the best possible business decisions and to make the most of your data, you need the very best people and that's where Orbition Group comes in. We have a proven track record in partnering with some of the largest brands in the world to the most innovative and disruptive startups and everything in between. We go beyond traditional recruitment services. The organizations which we partner with benefit from the added extras that we offer, such as raising your organization's brand awareness to the data and analytics community, Providing you with insights into the current market and your competition. Benchmarking you against the industry to give you the best chance to successfully attract the best talent. We want to become an extension of your business to identify, engage, attract and retain the best talent possible. If this sounds of interest, please reach out today by visiting OrbitionGroup.com.
0: Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season three. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Taylor Culver, who is the founder of Xeno Data. So, Taylor, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Now, uh, looking forward to uh, looking forward to this. I guess your background is probably relatively slightly different than the usual data leader esque type of chief data officer or something like that, that, that we normally have on this show. So, um, but with that comes a whole host of opportunities for us to maybe view things with a slightly different perspective, which is, uh, I think having spoken to you previously, Taylor, certainly something we're, we're gonna, we're gonna get today. So I'm, um, I'm looking, <laughs> f- looking forward to this. So I guess where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction into their background and I guess journey up until this point in time, if you would uh, be so kind.
2: Yeah, no, I'd love to. Thank you very much. Um, so so to your point, I, I'm i not a data professional uh, by by trade. So I, I actually started in finance. I, I started in, in investment banking, moved into corporate finance, um, and eventually found my way to data kind of by accident. Uh, so being in finance, you're generally pretty smart with data, uh, but you're not always that technical. Um, so I remember when I started with a company, I wanted to go into a product role, but I wasn't technical enough, but I was savvy with data. So they made me the data product manager. And over time, I kind of got my hands around that. Um, and I'm like, this isn't that hard, you know, I'll figure it out. Um, and man, oh man, did I eat my words, uh, <laughs> because it's a very hard career path and it's a very hard discipline. Um, and, but I kind of fell in love with the complexity behind it and, uh, uh, moved along and up in that career to where I was leading their licensing business. So I was doing a lot of the monetization work. Uh, we were doing net new product development. So we were not only buying, but we were trying to license data, uh, rolled out their internal and external analytics programs, did some work with AI machine learning, um, and then led a lot of their data governance effort and ultimately got promoted to work for the CEO with the company, which is kind of cool. Um, but I'll tell you, it wasn't easy. And I felt like a terrible leader throughout that whole journey because I always found myself buttonheads heads with my peers. Um, And I'm just like, man, I just suck. I'm just not like a good leader. I'm not very talented. And then I started talking to other data professionals and they were like, yeah, that's how it is. Uh, and, and I'm like, okay, all right. So, so I'm, I'm right in the middle or at least the bottom quartile. Um, and uh, I felt I, I, I it was cool, but, but I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur and that became kind of my calling because, you know, Steve Jobs always says like, if you don't have an idea, go be a bus boy until you get that idea. And at that point, that was kind of like my punch in the face that like, Hey, that's my catalyst. Entrepreneurship is really to solve. The data management problem because when i went to the market and i worked with some very smart people and some very talented technology companies none of it worked so i'm like okay so they do solve the problems that they state they're going to solve but really it's a change management issue so how do you help people solve that problem um kind of a long-winded intro but that's how i got to where i'm at today
0: nice nice so um excited to i mean i always ask this question of people that have set up their own business um because i think it's just kind of personal curiosity um more than anything gets the better of me but i guess what was the kind of catalyst or the instigator behind you thinking right now is the right time and this is the problem that i need to address and then we can hopefully jump into what you do at, at Xenodata.
2: yeah honestly in my in my last job i felt like i took it as far as i could. I I don't feel like I could have impacted my firm any more than I did. I had some wins, I had some losses. Um, and I I really just took it as far as I could. And and I, I remember going to the CEO's office. I didn't have a, another job. And I said, I'm done. And they're like, why? I'm like, I'm just like I don't think I can do anything else. Um, I like I've seen it through. Um, and then I left and then uh, I started Xenodata a couple months later.
0: Nice, nice. Okay, fine. So tell us a little bit about Data in terms of, you know, what you do, type of businesses that you work with and, and for and what you're helping them to, to achieve.
2: Yeah, 100%. So uh, basically, I think data leaders have everything they need to be successful, right? I, I don't think tools or technology, um, telling them more about data is going to help them win at their day job. Um, so where we kind of support our customers, we work with data leaders and executive leaders. Uh, It depends who hires us. Usually the executive leader will hire us, the chaperone, the data leader, or the data leader will help us, uh, so that we can advocate for them to the executive leader. Uh, but we find ourselves kind of towing the line between the two. Um, but for us, it's about enablement, right? So data leaders have what they need to be successful. Uh, we serve as a steward coach advisor. Uh, facilitator. And then we also have a software solution that helps uh, keep everything organized and everyone accountable. So think of our tool as kind of a productivity tool for data leaders. You know, salespeople have CRMs. Uh, we have a productivity uh, tool for data professionals.
0: Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, so I know that when we spoke and I think uh, our interactions first started on linkedin uh, as with is my relationship with many people across the industry um many people will not be surprised to hear but um i think we kind of got into a back and forth um around the whole concept of value and return on investment and why these things aren't playing out the way we sh- you know we think that they should be able to be played out etc cetera, etc cetera. um i think a good starting point for us well, maybe to look at in your perspective, wh- what's the relationship between value in quotation marks and ROI in quotation marks? Because I think what fascinates me is that we often end up, people in the industry use the same terminologies, but are often talking about different meanings of what is effectively the same word, if that makes sense, right? So I guess, how do you help your customers to distinguish between what they're actually talking about versus what they're referring to?
2: Yeah, and, and it's funny, I, I, j- I joked with you about this that like for a field data management that prides itself on defining what metrics are. It's funny <laughs> that you know the the impact of data management is so unclear on what the metric is. Um, but to your to your original question is value is perceived, right? Is so like this conversation between us is valuable for one another, it's valuable possibly for others. Um you know, value is in the eyes of the beholder. So is data driving value at every company? Yes. Right. Is it driving complexity and chaos too? Yes. But it's driving value. So there's no question that data drives value for businesses. And it. it, it and I, I can dive into that in a little bit. Uh, but ROI is the measure of all the return on investment in perpetuity, essentially. But first off, a data leader is never going to know that. Right, and then secondly, those metrics don't often get committed to the budget. So, like even if they do the arithmetic behind it by, hey, this is what the initiative is going to do, it doesn't get committed to your budget. Therefore, it doesn't get attached to your success criteria, which doesn't get success to your organizational goals. Um, so one's measured, one's not. So that that, that would be my simple answer.
0: Mm. Yeah, that is. That is interesting. I think you commented um, yesterday, actually, on the post that I'd put up about, you know, the the whole, everyone. you know, go to any data professional and, and probably even most executive teams now, given that we've harped on about this for so much. And you kind of say, you know, how do we make this work? And everyone will tell you the same thing, right? The data strategy has got to support the business goals and blah, 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 blah. Yet putting a tangible figure on that is evidently very difficult because not many people are managing to do it but your response um was quite insightful in that, i guess what you were stating was that most exec or a lot of executives aren't that they're not they're not tasking the data leader often with measuring this stuff anyway is that did i get that right
2: no, they don't care, honestly. like It needs to have ROI, but that's back of the napkin and for the board. I remember doing a project uh, with one of my longest-term customers where I've got a strong relationship with their executive team, and we came back to them. They, what the executive team wants with data is innovation, right? And, and to your point earlier, value, right? What's more important than ROI is the enterprise value of a company. And if you signal to the market that you're innovative – Guess what happens to your share price? Look at Tesla. So the amount of intangible value that you can give your shareholders by investing in data is far greater than the ROI you're going to generate from it. right? And that's why things continue to move on the way they are. So executive leaders just care about innovation and value. Of course, they're going to pay lip service, the ROI, and it needs to be there, but it's a nice to have. It's not a need to have. And Mm -hmm. that's why data leaders aren't held accountable to it. Now when data leaders come up and say, hey, here's the ROI of something. First off, that's not how your finance team looks at investing in capital investments, right? They're going to look at internal rate of return, which is the annualized return of that investment. And they're going to be looking at that on an annualized budgeting, maybe out three years, maybe five at some company. I don't know why they do five, but it's one to three years, right? And, and so that's where people are missing the mark. So I think it's an opportunity for a data leader to come across as more credible to senior leadership, but at the same time. I, I I don't see too many data leaders being held accountable to ROI. It's it, it it's something that a lot of people are talking about though.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. I think um you know it's it's not it's definitely not something when you know when we speak to executives teams and they're looking to hire data leaders it's you know they use the term we we want to get more value from our data but very rarely are they pinpointing, you know, we want to create X amount of millions of dollars from our data. They're not re- o- often even talking about the monetization of, of selling data either. And I guess that probably um, starts to make a little bit of sense. Because if I rewind five, seven years, I used to sit in board meetings with executives who were kind of hell bent on building a data science team. And I was like, "You you don't need a data science team, but I guess what they're after is this, the the perception of being innovative, right? Being cutting edge because that then plays into the whole share price, you know, look at us, we're, we're, we're kind of moving the needle type of thing. Okay, that's fascinating. Um, I guess what you started to touch upon there about how finance teams view this stuff and I think that would be really beneficial to try and, um, you know, get into the weeds a little bit on, you know, from a very high level but into kind of how that pulls together from a finance team's perspective around the importance of ROI and how they measure that, et cetera.
2: Yeah. So so one thing I want to call out here is that finance people are data people. Data people are not finance people. Okay. Very different skill sets. And and I, I think that what data people take for granted is they're more IT people, right? And the battle between finance and IT is about capital allocation right? So what the data leader needs to do when they work with finance is ask finance what they need to measure to prove the impact of their program. And then the data leader needs to work with the business to figure out what the benefits are of the use cases they're solving. So the business and the data leader can sit with finance and commit it to the budget. Finance is very happy to cut, up, cut costs, raise revenue. They love it it just needs to be credible, right? So what you will see is like on people's resumes, right? If you looked at the economic impact generated across everyone's resume, it's probably a million times the world's GDP, right? But <laughs> if you look at the economic impact of data projects versus the true delivery, it's probably somewhere in the same realm, right? So I I, I think that, the, and this is what makes the data leadership role hard is because you have no formal authority, even as CDO, you need to first earn the trust of the business, figure out the problem is, get rough sketches on the assumptions of what the problem is, and then try to quantify it. And then go up to the finance team and say, hey, look, this is the problem we're thinking about solving and do it as a team. And if it's not there, you can't force it, right? But just have an open and honest conversation and the finance team is going to get behind it. Um, so that, that's mm. how I would encourage data leaders to get real ROI because it's not ROI until it's in the budget. And, um it, once it's in the budget, then where data leaders run into other issues is with engagement, right? Because people don't want to participate in the data strategy. Um, they just want to benefit from it. Right. So if you're committing X million dollars to the budget, and if that's a material impact to the bottom line of your company, then you can go back to HR and say, Hey, look, I want 5% of everyone's goal to be this or of these specific people to be this. And, uh, which would probably be more intelligent, but, um, If it's not in the budget, there's no ROI.
0: Yeah. Okay, fine. I guess in terms of your experience of of what executive teams do consider as value then, if if they're not that driven by ROI, which um, probably will surprise people given the amount of talk in the industry about the importance of generating ROI and how, you know, most Data analytics projects are failing and they're costing lots of money and all of this type of stuff. But if it's not ROI and it's innovation or perception of innovation, how do you how do data leaders get to that point of quantifying the impact that they actually have within a business?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so you, you threw a lot at me. Uh, so let me let me try to kind of break that down. Uh, so starting small, how can a data leader break down business problems and the ROI? Okay, Uh, so here are the different kinds of measurable business problems, revenue creation, risk reduction, quantified risk reduction, productivity improvements, and economic cost savings. In our portfolio of use cases that we've worked with all of our clients, less than 5% are revenue reduction, uh, a revenue increase, excuse me. Uh, Maybe I want to say half are productivity improvements a quarter or economic savings and then a quarter are quantified risk reduction. So really what managing data does is it helps organizations become more productive and it re- removes waste. So how do you specifically quantify non-economic savings, right? Because economic savings would be canceling a software agreement or, or firing people, right? But if you're removing productivity, can you cut five percent of a person's salary if they're doing five percent less work probably not right so you need to figure out ways to quantify that so hey if 50 percent of the days of 200 people are going to data and analytics you've got a hundred people but you're not going to get rid of 100 people or you could get 100 people the data leader would then need to make that argument have fun with that right Or or you could get creative and say, hey, let's go back to the budget for next year and say, how many people are we hiring into this team? We won't need to hire those people and increase our costs, right? So you can start thinking forward as opposed to within the present, right? But it's really just going through those assumptions and making sure that the data leader doesn't own those assumptions. The business owns those assumptions. because. If you find yourself saying, "Hey, I can reduce the staff of another person's team," I mean that's a quick way to get, um, you know, tarred and feathered within your organization. <laughs> so, uh, which is a, a very probable outcome for most data professionals. So, um, but uh, that, that, that's kind of how I think about it. Um, so that, that that so answering your question about how would you measure those specific things to get to ROI, that's how I would how I would think about that. Those those four categories primarily.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes perfect sense. So, and and I guess in that instance, then uh, are you finding from the conversations that you have and the the, the businesses that you work with that exec teams do care about that they do care about understanding what the efficiency uplifts might be or the cost reductions might be um, in term, you know, in the whole overall conversation here.
2: They do, but it's a pleasant surprise, right? It's not what they're looking for initially. So there's two things I see executive leaders look for, innovation and getting people to work together better across cross-functional teams, right? So, and that's where data leaders can position their argument that like, hey, I can manage these people cross-functionally because I've got a unique role that's a horizontal to the business, right? And then I can help you drive innovation through that. Once you've that's your data strategy, right? Once you've sold that, then you find your use cases within the business, then you'll go out there and say, Hey, I worked with XYZ people within the business. And here's the R. When they see that, they're gonna be like, Wow, okay, it's hitting executives' needs, it's hitting the businesses' needs. And 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 I think that's where it plays well, but it's not what executives are looking for. Like when I when I sell to executives, they're like, We want common metrics, we want. People to work together. We want to drive innovation. That's their primary point. Is not how can I drive ROI with data? That's mm. absolutely not there. I, I, I you know, I'm be a little cynical here. I think that ROI with data thing is so it's easier to sell stuff to data professionals because you can go in there and say, hey, if you buy this software, you're going to get ten times uplift. Caveat being your teams and people need to work together and your executives need to sponsor it, but that's your problem. But we'll, we'll not talk about that right now. Um, I, I think it helps with that, that sales cycle, honestly,
0: more than anything. Yeah, no, that, that, and that makes sense. So I guess at some point in time, there's a relationship here that starts to kind of form, if you will, in regards to, you know, where these conversations are being instigated from. So I'm starting now to wonder, is it because, you know, we've got this whole notion around, whatever Gartner is saying in this year's um, event, right? You know, it was 85% of data analytics projects fail. Is is it the failure that then leads executives to look at, okay, well, it's costing us this. We're not getting any value, again, in quotation marks, however that is perceived and, and, and kind of monitored out of this. And then it's almost an unraveling of, you know, well, if we're not getting any value out of it, we need to then look at, ROI because it's costing us a lot of money. I'm just trying to kind of get a sense of where where all this is is kind of, you know, the, the the hype around the ROI conversation is is coming from.
2: Do you believe that 85% of data projects fail? Right. And and I I you read about this often. And, you know, i I've, I've been doing this now for over a decade. And let me tell you, almost every data project I've worked on has not delivered a perfect outcome, right? Is that failure? Right. I would think with many of these projects, it's not a total failure. It's just, they don't hit their original goals and, and how can you even measure that and make that judgment across companies? So I I think that the lesson to learn from that metric is that can companies do it better? Yes. Right. And, and everyone can do it better. But again, it's kind of going back to that ROI argument. I think that if, if you tell an executive, right, that. You're gonna have an 85% chance of failure on this project. They're gonna tell you, no, we're not gonna fail on this, right? We'll get it done. It won't be perfect, but we're gonna iterate on it and get ourselves to the end goal. So maybe 85% of consulting-led data projects fail, but it's because the, the, the business needs to the own the solution for it to be successful. And uh, without that, like you know, good luck. So, so, so I don't think ROI is the magic bullet here. You know. I I don't think data culture is the magic bullet. Like, that was popular. I don't know if that's still popular. I think it really comes down to leadership. And I I think that it really comes down to storytelling and how strong of an executive you have running data, right? And a data professional, their job is one, influence, communicate, and lead to data, right? And the problem is that most of these data professionals come from very technical fields. The CEO wants to be innovative, so they need AI. So then they hire a chief data officer with proficiency in AI. And I'll tell you, the more analytically savvy and data savvy someone becomes, probably the less people savvy they start to become because their level of intelligence is so divorced from the average person. So how are they going to be able to influence those so I I I think that what's really missing is is, is leadership and uh, and I I think a lot of smart ex- executives stay away from data because they're smart right and and what you'll see is that data becomes an excuse for everything that's acceptable within organizations because it doesn't blame tech it doesn't blame a, a leader and it doesn't blame a process right. So there's no, it doesn't hurt anyone's feelings. So when you, no one defends data, but then the, the chief data officer has to defend data. So it's easy to point all your fingers at data, um, but data just needs advocacy. And and I, I really think it comes down to leadership. So any company that's trying to do anything with data should have strong leadership around the topic. It doesn't need to be a CDO, but someone needs, and, and the problem's that they should be solving should not be presented as solutions, right? So all too often do you find that people in that data leadership role are going like, once we have AI or analytics, all our data problems are going to go away. Sure, that's the outcome, but really what problem are you trying to solve? The best data initiatives I see led are solving customer-specific problems or or process-specific problems. Um, And all that's communication, but people seem to want to rush to the solution. So anyway, I don't think ROI is the magic bullet. I I think it helps you build credibility as a data leader, Um, but I I really think what's missing in the data space is leadership and and soft skills.
0: Yeah. Do you think there's an element of, I don't want to say hype because that's possibly the wrong word, but there 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 have been a very small select handful of use cases where there's been some astronomical... return on investment right from data projects you know i think that i've had people on there that you know quoted the eight nine figure rois from you know something specific around data i don't know whether that then starts to fuel this almost business leaders looking at it going oh well if they can do that then maybe we should do that and that almost focuses the attention to the roi a little bit because they've heard about it, you know, in the same way that they heard about the company down the street doing a big AI project that was a huge success, et cetera.
2: Evaluating ROI is a healthy activity that every organization should do. Like what we're talking about earlier is, is it a priority? I don't think so. But it's something every data leader should do to make themselves more credible Mm. because you got to understand that you're working with different stakeholders. You're working with technology, you're working with the business, you're working with executive leadership, you're working with finance, you're working with HR. If you want to make yourself credible to finance, right, which is usually the most credible function within any business, hopefully, right, um, you need to learn to speak their language, right, which is, hey, (laughs) what do I need to do with this data strategy to advance your goals, right, which are the financial outcomes for the business, right? So as far as all these use cases out there, there's tons of great use cases out there. There's tons of use cases out there delivering tons of value. There's tons of use cases out there that are only delivering a quarter of what they could possibly be delivering. Um, There's so many use cases for data. um, And there's good ones and there's bad ones. There's ones that are complex to deliver. There are ones that are less complex to deliver. but yeah, just going through the exercise of what is the ROI of this program, or I would be looking at more as like what is the IRR of this program over the next five years. I think that would probably be a better way to look at it. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. What, what do you what do, <laughs> what do you make of the? I mean, I've heard this argument um, quite explicitly over the last several years around. You know, it's it's impossible. To put uh, a measurement of ROI from data,
2: maybe for that person.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I, I so the, there's there's two two days. First, of all, no, that's ridiculous. Um, and, and then secondly, uh, when you look at a use case, maybe a use case doesn't have ROI. Maybe it has negative ROI. Right? What are the benefits versus the costs? If you can't think that through, you know maybe time to go to business school or take a course on Udemy or something like that. But I would think by the time you're a mid-level leader within a business, you should have some sort of financial discipline, right? And and I'll tell you, I I watch it all the time. Like when I was doing the corporate finance stuff, you're, you're working at a higher level within the organization, but you'd see all the technology people come in and talk about the solutions and talk about the costs but fail to talk about the benefits in the ROI, or they would mention ROI, which was like astronomical, but couldn't cite the assumptions behind that, right? So it's not about being accurate all the time, right? It's important to be accurate. It's about being thoughtful and transparent in the assumptions behind ROI and including the relevant stakeholders and the dialogue around those assumptions that's going to build credibility for the data strategy, the data leader and the data team.
0: Mm, yeah, I know that when we spoke uh, previously, you, you talked about the differences from a kind of tangible versus intangible benefit, which you, you briefly touched on earlier, how, how do you kind of, how do you weave all that together to be able to calculate that into some kind of, you know, easy to have business conversation?
2: Yeah so so you got to understand your financial statements firstly there's a cash flow statement there is a, a PNL profit and loss statement and a balance sheet when you talk about a asset it goes on the balance sheet when you talk about ROI it's usually referencing the PNL um a, a, or cash flow so so like we start to co different things, right? So when I was working in m a you would buy companies and when you buy a company, you typically pay more than it was worth, right? And the difference between what it's worth and the financial value is a function of multiples and, and uh, discounted cash flow valuation, football fields and stuff like that. But there'd usually be a delta because no one's going to sell a company for less than it's worth, right? Unless you're not making good decisions, right? So how do you close that gap? And usually that's called uh, something called goodwill, right? And goodwill is an intangible asset that could be a customer list, for example, or a vendor list, that's data. So that's when data becomes an asset, according to the GASB, FASB, that's uh, in in the US. Um, That's the only time really data is an asset, right? And it's not a good asset to have because it just sits on your balance sheet and oftentimes, what happens at large public companies is they do something called impairment testing because the value of the asset isn't a reflection of what they paid for it. And then it becomes something they have to uh, test for impairment and then amortize over time. And then there are cash flow benefits to that. But that's what an asset is, right? I'm, and, 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 and- Data is not an asset, right? And I know a lot of people are chasing after that, but it's not today. It's not an asset, right? It's a strategic asset, but like so is a pencil, right? I guess, but a pencil is also an asset. So I, I uh, maybe as a bad example, um, but but then so when you when you go to value, right? So what is the ROI? What is the IRR of a use case, right? That's different to where you can say, hey, if we cut productivity ten million dollars and reclaim ten percent of that. We can get a million dollars in economic savings. That becomes very tangible. You can commit that to the PNL. you can put that into the budget. you can get people behind that. Right. Most companies are running their business off the PL at the at the operational level. So where data leaders can serve themselves best is if they operate out of the profit and loss statement, as opposed to working with balance sheets and, and cash flow statements, which are usually happening at the most senior levels of finance and the executive leadership team. And it's generally for the board of directors. Right. So I, I, I would just make your life easier by saying, okay, how do we attach the value of our data strategy to a PL? The only way to do that is to improve profit. So how does our data strategy improve profit? And that's either through increasing revenue, reducing costs for economic savings, creating efficiency and productivity uplifts, and then quantified risk reductions, if you can find a way to do that. And then another thing that data leaders should think about while we're talking about finance is that most organizations hate spending OPEX. They hate spending on staffing, software, things like that, but they will gladly spend on capex, right? Because of the implications to the value of the company, right? And so you can amortize capital projects over time to where there's tax benefits, to where it makes you look more profitable. There's a lot of different ways that you can work with capital expenditures that you can't with real economic ones. So what what data leaders can do is not only can they say, Hey, look executive leadership, we're going to make you more innovative. We're going to help teams and people work better together. We'll bring you those common metrics. I worked with this person in the business. We'll improve productivity 50%. I worked with finance. Finance said that, hey, that's going to bring a million dollars of benefit. How great is this? Oh, and by the way, I put together the project plan to deliver on this, and I forecasted all the hours out for the next year. So my budget request to solve for the data strategy is a capital investment. It's not a Operational one time investment. And then all of a sudden, the the CFO is looking at you like, good God, you know, and you probably don't do it right the first time, but you're thinking about it in an intelligent way. And that's the secret, right? If you want people to work with you across different functions and and you want people to listen to you and trust you, you need to be able to speak their language a little bit, which I would assume a data professional would be good at because that's their freaking job, right? is that you need to be able to step over the line a little bit because the better questions you ask, the better answers you're going to get from those people, right? So if you're able to think about what the data strategy is and the possible economic impacts of it and not go to the CFO and be like, hey, our data, strategic asset goes on the balance sheet, is probably worth $20 billion um, and I'm going to need $6 million to deliver this project. like You sound like an idiot, right? And <laughs> And, and that's what it comes down to. And, and then here's the problem is, is like, okay, some of that stuff will fly, but then you've got the guy who's leading M&A at the company. And generally that's a very smart person, right? And they're going to come in and say, hey, give me a hundred million dollars and I'll give you 20% on that on an annualized basis. People are going to be like, okay, what the data leader needs to learn to do is come in and say, give me $5 million and gonna we'll give you 200% on an annual basis, right? and I validated this for finance because the benefit to any data strategy when investing in any strategic initiative at your company is data is less capital intensive and generates higher IRR than traditional m&a activities and that's why it should be considered as a strategic focus now it comes with complexity and risk but that's a different conversation but that's what you should be prepared to talk about and if you raise the risks you raise the financial benefits of what you're doing you will be elevated as a data professional within the company right because your job is to ask good questions tell a good story get people bought into it i think what data leaders do too long is they 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 hey we got to make xyz solution successful and need more money to make this solution successful because this t- team needs it it's 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 very hard for an executive to make a fair and prudent decision about that you got to make it easier for people to help you Right. And and not make it easier to help yourself. Um
0: so I don't know. Yeah. No, no, no. Huge, hugely insightful. So I I guess um basically there for, for, for me to try and condensed that into my train of thought as i was pulling all of that t- together as you were speaking taylor is it's not that business leaders don't care about the roi they very much want to have roi but that's not the reason they're doing it the the, the pounds and pence on the PL, the you know the dollars and cents on the p l isn't the reason they're investing in this the, the what they're investing in is to get the value i guess when this then falls falls over sideways is when that value isn't being realized, and then they look at the ROI and realize, oh, this is costing us a lot of money and we're not getting out of it what we thought we were going to or we were told we were going to, that probably then loops back around into the conversation that you've just had about managing expectations and understanding what it's going to cost and what the, what the benefits are, et cetera.
2: Yeah. No, you're, you're you're absolutely right. Because what happens is when data professionals are held accountable to ROI is they're so done already in the eyes of others. It's just an excuse. It's like, it, most companies, you make mistakes, and there's people who make mistakes all the time. You show up late. It happens. They're forgivable, right? When people are holding you accountable to something, it's because they want you out. And, and it's it, it's usually because you did something bad. And ROI is a very easy way to hold a data leader accountable. If someone else is holding a data leader accountable to ROI, if you're done. Like the, You don't get back from that. That means you failed to get the buy-in early. It means you failed to get sponsorship. You failed to get business engagement. You failed to demonstrate the benefits of what you're doing. And guess what? Now you're being held accountable because it was other people's money you were spending and you were spending it without delivering an outcome. And I know it's kind of unfair to data professionals because that's not how they're coached and trained to 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 execute on their data strategy. And it's still kind of a new field. So it's misplaced accountability and it's very unfair I, I i would say that but it's it's usually too late i and one of my clients um or a former customer it, it, i spent a year coaching them you need use cases you need use cases you need use cases no 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 we're good we're good we're so and so company we've got you know so much money in the bank we're good we're good we're good they ran up 3 million dollars recurring expense with their data program and and that data leader is not there anymore right and the ceo held them accountable and and they, they just put their head in the sand. So, so I, I would tell you, being a data professional is probably one of the hardest jobs uh that most people will ever be put into. And it's there's unclear metrics for success. Uh failure is almost inevitable. Um, and, and that's why you read some of the thought leaders on the topic, like people like Randy Bean, Doug Laney, they, I mean the OGs, the data management, like they know their stuff. Um, that's why the tenure of CDOs is so short. So it, it, ROI is just, you know, yet another spoke in the wheel of a wheel that has so many spokes for a data professional. There's no magic bullet. It's, I mean, leadership's at the core, but leadership means so many different things. Um, but I but I really think that, you know, there's, there's no place for ego in data management uh, as a field, because you're ultimately in the service of others, and your influence is a direct reflection of how good of a story you can tell and and how credible you can be and mm. it's a real test of who you are as a person right and um it's a, it's a very hard job but it's also a very rewarding job um especially for intelligent people who who who, who want to stretch themselves i i always like the data professional job is a good place to take high performers um because it's going to Kick them in the stomach, which is good for people because, like, if you get too senior too fast and you become a little cocky, like, uh, it's not good for the business. But if you go into a role where you're probably going to experience a, a significant amount of failure, but the wins that you do have are very real and very tangible and very hard to achieve, I, I think it's a confidence builder. It knocks out ego. It just makes 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 the the strong stronger.
0: Yeah. How much do you think the environment and I guess the The overall um, ability of, you know, the executive team in terms of their understanding of data and the role in an organization plays a, a part in this. Because I think what I see happen time and time and time again is, you know, if we think of everything that you've just spoken about. And, you know, really the role of the data leader and how they navigate those conversations and how they show that they're adding value and what the benefits are and how you get to that point of ROI. Very, very, very few businesses hire a data leader on that premise to do that job. You know, even nowadays, the chief data officer, you'll see job descriptions. And the first thing on the list is Python. <laughs> right? So, so what are we expecting? I, I, I guess. So I don't know whether it's we're hiring. The focus is on the wrong types of people, but I guess that comes from somewhere, right? So I guess I'm trying to just fig- connect the dots here. Is that a, you know, the business leadership, their perception of what data is? Like, what, what's your experience there?
2: Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm throwing some real cynicism out there. <laughs> Here's how the world of data works. CEO, I want to be innovative. I'm gonna go read the Wall Street Journal you're reading about a case study of where XYZ company delivered millions of dollars of data with data and artificial intelligence. Hey, CTO, call up this vendor, (laughs) what do they do? Right? And then the CTO calls up that vendor, they come in, they purchase the technology, they buy the consulting, probably doesn't work. A case study comes out of that, that case study goes into the Wall Street Journal. Another CEO reads that, hey, I want to be innovative. The reason that happens is because at every company, innovation equals technology, right? So capital budgets go to the technology team, okay? So as long as that's happening, you're going to keep seeing these same solution-led conversations, Okay. So for a CEO to go outside the mold, because going outside of what's socially acceptable and what your board's telling you to do and what the big management consulting is, is going to get you fired. Right. So like, you do have to listen to people around you too. Like even as CEO, even if the CEO is responsible for the data strategy, they're still going to struggle, right? Because they have limited influence as well. But anyway, that, that aside. So, so really the challenge is How does the data leader participate in that capital allocation cycle? And I I think that what happens is if the CEO, or excuse me, the CEO who trusts the CTO has a, a data professional working for them. So that data professional has the trust and respect of the CTO and the CEO. I think then they can better participate in that conversation. I think a good entry point kind of coming full circle to your question is CEOs need to recognize that data is a product because it has an end user. It's not a technology, right? Um, And because of that, if you hire, and I was reading an article, again, Randy Bean in HBR the other day about the need for data product managers, that's where CEOs need to start to think is like, hey, data isn't like cloud. It isn't a technology. It's really a product, right? And it's a product for the enterprise. And in some instances, it's for clients, but mostly it's for the enterprise. So you really need an enterprise product manager for data, right? And then I think when you start thinking about it like that, inevitably, the conversation is going to change because when you start thinking about people in your business, about as end users of data and less so requesters of data, right? The mindset changes and, and, and. It's up to CEOs. I, I see some CEOs who are quick to invest in in data product management functions, but um, it's not always the case. I, I I still think people see data as a technological solution, which is not. But
0: that's how it works. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, if if I think about many of the journeys that you know I've witnessed unfold from a data analytics standpoint, you know, it's often a if they're not already on that journey, but well, we need to migrate to the cloud then we've got to build a data platform because we're going to need one of them anyway and you know and then you start to talk about all of the capital that that's eating up and and that's before you've even really got into what's the benefits of doing any of this right you know because they're just not thinking about it from that perspective and then 18 months later you talk about the tenure of the cdo it's like okay well you know we've hired you based on your skills to build a platform as an example okay 18 months later Okay, where's the value? Okay, not there. What how much have you spent? Okay, time to go. Do you know? And it's that that cycle quite quite often.
2: The, the challenge is executives don't know how to talk about it. And it's not because they're not smart. It's just it's a it's a it's a layered issue and a lot of the complexity is unseen. Um and 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 it's I, 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 I see it all the time, uh, where executive leaders need to know that it's okay to stop and not every cust you can be innovative by not doing something right you don't have to do something to be innovative because i doing something poorly right and in a wasteful way is not innovative right no executive wants to do that i i found that with some of our customers um we, they're short engagements because within you know 3 to 6 months we said hey this is what you need to think about right go out build and hire a cdo and do all these things it cost you you know 300 to x thousand dollars depending on how big the company is and then they're going to want to build a team and they're going to want to buy a higher consultant so they're going to want to buy technology and oh by the way gartner's saying they're 85 percent gonna <laughs> fail um so you're ready to pony up five million dollars for a 15 percent success rate and most executives will be like oh man i never thought of it like that but they they don't have that context right so i i think for executive leadership they want to be innovative But man, oh, man, do they want someone to tell them no, why? Here are the risks to help them make a better decision, right? Because you can create value with data while having negative ROI, right? And and just kind of bringing the whole thing full circle is value again is perceived. And sometimes the value is job security. Sometimes the value is a relationship, but ROI is very real. And lasting. So, how do how do you how do you explain it to the executive across all the different dimensions of decision making? You know, uh, people and culture, finance, technology, so that they can actually think about it in the right way. I, I I do think that you know you can benefit from instead of hiring a chief data officer. There's a ton of smart people out there that are operating as fractional chief data officers. Hire them for three months. Have them come in, give you a data strategy. If you don't like it, hire another one right? If you don't yeah. like it, hire another one. By the time you've hired like a year's cost of, of CDO, you've probably gotten 10 different good opinions. You can cherry pick what you want. You can then hire someone in to take that and synthesize it into something better, right? Or you can you know, continue to work with third party. So there, there's different ways to think about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. uh, I, I think it's really just framing the problem for executive leadership so that they can make a good decision around data strategy because they That's want sure. it to work. They're, they're, you're big, I, I hate it when data leaders say the executive team doesn't sponsor me. I hate it. I go, your number one sponsor is the CEO, but the secret is you make no damn sense to them. So like they can't sponsor you because you can't explain to them how to be sponsored. Right. And that's on you. And, and, and I, 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 I hate hearing that all the time, but it, it's a, a real problem that data leaders experience.
1: Mm,
0: yeah. So, I mean. Great place to to finish, Taylor. I think there's one thing that I did want to ask you, and I was conscious of time, but let's just go for it anyway, because we're talking about the art of communication there and making it easy to be sponsored and that type of, of stuff. I think what we'd not spoke about, which we intended to speak about, was the, the uh, I guess, the interchangeability of how the data community uses certain language right you know we talk value and valuation roi asset monetization often used interchangeably meaning different things which surely doesn't help the cause of trying to you know talk to kind of make this um you know understandable for ceos to get their head around okay this is what it entails this is how the best way to do it etc
2: so so we'll keep, we'll keep it simple and, and and I'm gonna quote Kanye West and then <laughs> political aside, you know he's got, he's got a song where he says, who's the real boss or who's the real owner if your boss gets a salary, right? And the CEO gets a salary. Let's be very clear, right? So the owner is the shareholders and it's either a private equity fund, it's an institutional fund or it's actual shareholders. So what kind of value is the data leader delivering? The word is enterprise value. So how does a data leader grow the enterprise value of a firm enterprise value is a function of a multiple on revenue or a multiple on somebody called EBITDA, right? Or it's, 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 you know, perceived, right? But, but really it's those two things. So a data leader I, I I I don't care what a data leader thing. I, one of our clients wanted to to do a revenue based data stream. I said, don't do that. I said I I said if you can make hundred thousand dollars off this, I'll give you a thousand. Um and 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 they're like, okay, you're serious, right? Um but but where a data leader can have the most impact is going back to the metrics, right? On the PL, how do you improve profitability? And how do you commit that profitability improvement to the budget, right? So it's that simple. So. Maybe as opposed to saying like, hey, data is a strategic asset. It has, you know, an intangible value. Hey, we've got to monetize our data. You know, why don't we just simplify it a little bit and just say, how do we use our data to become more profitable? Right. And then you can probably get more people to listen to you because you have less of a tinfoil hat. Because when you throw out buzzwords, people don't take you seriously, right? Um so especially your stakeholders, because they're like, okay, what's that mean? So the real challenge for a data leader is what drives profit at the business, right? And what, and and, and these are simple things that they answer. And then how are different business units struggling with profitability? Maybe client-facing is uh, struggling with retention. If you give them data and insights, you can offset retention, right? If you're working with operations, maybe productivity is a challenge. If you're working with sales, maybe it's quota attainment because they don't have the right data, right? If you can move the needle on those KPIs, you're ultimately gonna be driving profit. So I I think the data professionals can save themselves some headache is stop talking about the balance sheet, right? Don't talk about data as an asset. Don't talk about monetizing data. 9.5 out of 10 data professionals don't have this problem right? Everyone else is just focused on improving the operational efficiency of the business, which is driven by improving profit. And if you improve profit, you're going to increase the enterprise value of your company, right? And then you're going to make the shareholders happy, which is going to make you seem innovative, which will make everyone happy, right? So so I think that that's where a data leader just needs to be self-disciplined and saying like, how does our data strategy improve the profit of the business? And, and, and I, I think you're going to have much different outcomes. I think the topics of data evaluation and monetization are very interesting, but they're very future-future topics. And only companies whose business is data should be thinking about it in those ways, not the average CPG, retail, technology-enabled services, travel. They just have enterprise data needs and they need to be served in an intelligent way. So uh, hopefully I answer your question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Taylor, thank you very much for uh, spending some time with us today. It's been a fascinating uh, conversation and um, yeah, we'll let you get back to your day and uh, look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah. Thanks for your time today,
2: Kyle. Have a great day.
0: That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow our group on social media if you've not already done so where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please Feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening, and I'll be back next week.